0: Great save by Anderson. Riley stayed side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal! Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot strap in the corner of the ring. All right, Maple Leaf Hockey back again. On this episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, a pair of games against the Senators and BMAC, as you predicted. Game one not going as planned for the Toronto Maple Leafs as they lose 5-3 on Friday, but they get revenge in the second leg of the back-to-back, winning 3-2 against their bitter rival, Ottawa. This is Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. BMAC, what were your takeaways from the game? Let's go chronologically on Friday night. Let's start there. Quite frankly, Kenny, to sum it all up, I think that
1: they didn't deserve any points. I think they could have easily woken up Sunday morning today, January 17th and had no points in their
0: back pocket because it was, it was really too close, really too close for. I thought they dominated the game on Saturday. Like even though the score was three to two, it seemed like utter domination. I I don't think they did. I don't think they 40 to 20. I think the shots were.
1: I don't think they did. I think it's deceiving because, yes, they had 40-plus shots, but I'd say half of those shots were quality chances. It just looked routine. It looked obvious what they were doing every play. And, yes, it was good that the top line and Thornton, Matthews, and Marner finally clicked and gave Keefe another opportunity to start these guys because I believe they combined for seven points, which is great. I mean, they ultimately won 3-2 against arguably the worst team in, in the North Division. So, I, I really don't see this mini series as a, as a success. You said on the last pod, this is a great chance to to sneak away with six points. They got two of four.
0: Well, oh, four and points. Yeah, yeah. To start the season off with six. Pardon points. me. Yeah, pardon me. I, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, six, get four yeah, points. It's, it's true.
1: It, right and. Not to say you're wrong, like it was very much in their grasp.
0: But I just, I just <laughs> find me on Friday night, telling me that I was wrong. You're like, I told you this was going to happen. The sends coming out. Look at this. They they're scoring a bunch of goals, and I was like, come on, man. Everybody scores a bunch of goals. In I know the it's of the season.
1: Look at. I know it's game three, but there's still that narrative, Kenny, where the Leafs don't take command of games when the opposition's offense runs stale. How many prime opportunities did they have yesterday? and then they just had ill-advised plays, ill-advised plays, sloppy penalties and any other forward? Like when you have Derek Stepan and Josh Norris with quality chances and they're missing. Okay, but if you know they're going to be playing the Oilers four times in the next 2 weeks, Drysaddle, McDavid get those opportunities, it's going to be 6-2 Edmonton. So they got lucky. I think they really got lucky to to get 2 of 4 points against Ottawa.
0: I think the Friday night game, like I couldn't disagree more with you on the Saturday night effort. I thought the Saturday night effort was pretty complete. I thought there was a lot of positives to take away, including but not limited to the fact that all three goals were generated, generated by the first line. Cause a lot of commentary coming into the game was Matthews hasn't scored yet. You know, Thornton's playing on the wing where the, are these guys going to be able to generate? Is it going to be time to bring Hyman back up? Is it time to put Nick Robertson in there and give him a shot? There was all this commentary flying around about, the ability of that line to produce, and they scored all three goals on Saturday night. So I thought that there was a real positive for the team, a real positive for the line. Jumbo Joe in this post-game presser was saying that the line is feeling good out there, that he's really enjoying playing with Maddie and Mitchie, which – Who wouldn't? They're two young, two of the most talented players in the league right entering their prime. So Jumbo obviously is enjoying himself and he was kind of joking around with the media suggesting that he's going to have to play for a couple more years to make sure that he's the oldest Maple Leaf to ever score a goal in the blue and white. So you'd love to see that. I think on Friday night they got a little bit unlucky. Uh, The Ottawa I think was the hungrier team certainly and that's what happens when you haven't played a game in I don't know how long it was. It was it March, three hundred ten days, yeah, three hundred ten was- days, something to the tune of that. So obviously Ottawa was very hungry. Toronto had played a couple nights before, and they seemed to be losing a lot of the one-on-one puck battles. Ottawa, got, uh, albeit, did get some sort of lucky bounces. They had a lot of garbage goals. I found on Friday, but they still count the same at the end of the day, and that's what happens when you get pucks on net and you get your players in position in the dirty areas is that you're going to get some weird rebounds and weird bounces. And they were in position to capitalize. I thought that Anderson didn't have his best game on Friday night. I thought Campbell played very well on Saturday. Not enough to send a goaltender us into a goaltender controversy. I think that likely it should be Anderson coming back on Monday night. But who knows? Uh, Campbell, I thought, played well. And I think to avoid the controversy, you probably have to go back to Anderson. But I don't know. uh, Campbell's certainly giving his head coach something to think about entering Monday.
1: Absolutely. And I think Dubas and company can be very happy and confident moving forward, knowing that they have a firmed up backup tender in Jack Campbell. I thought he was good when he had to be good. He wasn't outstanding. He's obviously a great guy, probably the most beloved guy in the league. (laughs) Tweet tweet of the day coming up regarding him. So stay tuned. And you mentioned Nick Robertson off the top. Tough break for the 19-year-old, Kenny. I mean, yeah. Sheldon Keith inserts him into the lineup, into the bottom six to inject a little speed. And first or second shift in, he gets absolutely crunched. And a little update, he is going to have to undergo an MRI on his knee. And Keefe said he's going to miss significant time.
0: That's a tough break for this team. Because Robertson was one of those spark plugs that I think the fan base was really looking forward to seeing. Uh, Just about, I think it was like two or three minutes of ice time. So very early into his night that he takes the knee injury and you hope that it's nothing serious. Whenever you see the knee, I feel like our inclination is to freak out because if it's the ACL, if it's the MCL, if it's any of those tendons in there, that can be a very substantial injury that can often take up to a year to recover from. And sometimes players don't recover like really, or get back to their original form and all. Now, that's being a little bit dramatic. I know that the medical procedures and the surgeries are, have come so far. You just go see Doctor James Andrews, and he seems to fix you up good as new. I let Adrian Peterson, who went for you know two thousand plus yards, I think the year after he tore his ACL. So it's not the same same injury that it used to be, but you hate to see it. Such a bad luck, or such a bad luck for a young player who really had a had a promising promising outlook heading into this season for the team and you hope the MRI comes back and it's not overly serious and he doesn't miss significant time
1: I was also thinking too a lot of former Leafs go to Ottawa right Connor Brown Tyler Ennis Nikita Zaitsev not just on the ice Ron Hansey. on the bench too DJ Smith you gotta think there's a lot of a lot of familiarity and a lot of nuggets from Smith or Brown with regards to the penalty kill you know they're obviously very familiar with with Matthews and Marner's play you saw Brown and Matthews chirping each other a little bit last night. So especially DJ Smith, he knows the top guns especially well, former assistant coach of the Leafs. So there's certainly a lot of uh, hush-hush under the table. Hey, this is what you should do. This is what you should watch out for, and this is how you shut them down. So full credit to Ottawa, man. I thought they had an outstanding
0: mini-series. Yeah, well, a split, I think, is all you can hope for for Ottawa when the expectation coming into the season in large part for this team is that they're going to finish in last place in the division. Like how many predictions have we seen outlining that? I don't think I've seen any like expert that's picked them to finish above that. I know it's like, I've played around with the idea that maybe they'll finish in sixth place, but is that really like something to hang your hat on finishing in six of seven teams? Like, and yeah. that's the, that's the best outlook that I can see <laughs> happening for this organization this year. And I was
1: saying this on a previous pod too, and now I have the stats to back it up. Season openers has Always gone in favor of the Sens. I think they won like five of the last six coming into Friday against the Leafs in season
0: opener. So in their season opener against Toronto, yeah. And
1: there's isn't in their season openers against T
0: One thing that I noticed as well in both games, and particularly in the five to three loss, was Keith is riding Matthews and Marner a lot. Yeah, like a lot. Like I think in the first game against Montreal, they we had noted that the only players who had more ice time than Matthews and Marner. Was Morgan Riley and then they had more than any other defenseman it was the same thing on Friday night they both basically had 23 plus minutes but Tavares and Nylander were both basically around 16 minutes of ice time now that balanced out a little bit last night Tavares and Nylander both had like close above 17 closer to 18 minutes and Matthews and Marner were both down a little bit from their mark on Wednesday and Friday but certainly there has to be a little bit more balance the way that Sheldon Keefe is using his top six I
1: mean, it's going to be ever-changing as as the season goes on here, but I think just it was utter relief for Matthews in particular, because I think he had like 13 points in 16 career games against Ottawa. Like He lights them up all the time, and finally, he gets the monkey off his back, scoring his first of the season. Sportsnet cut out a bit early, but I believe as he was going to the bench, he did the monkey off the back gesture, which was really funny. And... He just looked elated. More elated for for Thornton scoring his first goal, I think, though.
0: Game three. That's what the expectations are for this player. He's in game three, and he's pulling the monkey off his back. Like, that's that's where we're at. He's like, I can't believe I did not score in my first two games. And you, he rang the one off the post. I believe it was against Montreal. So he was close in the first game. Yes. Like, man, like that's, the, that's how this player feels about his game. Is that he feels that going three games or two games without a goal is unacceptable, and that's a monkey on his back. Like that's, a, some- that's good news for Maple Leaf fans if that's the inner sort of inner fire that he's going to govern his play by, and that's what yeah. his expectation are. Is that two games without a goal is unacceptable?
1: Right. Um, it's like a news. mix of watch it's out. a mix. That's, that's
0: the league needs to watch
1: out. <laughs> It's a mix of self-confidence and a little bit of self-deprecation, I guess, because you know, you gotta be hard on yourself a little bit. If you're not finding the back of the net, I thought he had some really good looks the past three games, but he seemed to wire a lot of them high and wide. So you know, I'm no, I'm no coach, but maybe you gotta <laughs> fine tune that wrist shot a little bit and control it a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something to, something to work <laughs> on. All right. The tweet of the day for me, let's go to that because it's based off this second game against the Sens. Um, and it's from Ian Mendez. And Ian Mendez tweeted out, Joe Thornton's first goal against Ottawa came on January 27th, 1998. The Sens' number one line tonight featuring Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson were not even born yet when that game happened. Wow. That's insane. That's but crazy. The whole Senators' top line was not even born. When Joe Thornton was first scoring goals in the league back in the 1990s, that's like, I'm just absolutely floored by that. And it shows you the longevity of Thornton's career and what the, just the experience that he brings. And also just how youthful this Ottawa Senators team is that they weren't even born and they're playing against this guy.
1: And a former longtime serving Senator, Jason Spezza, going 10 for 10 on the faceoff yesterday. Fifth that's oldest. impressive. Fifth oldest player in the league, too. So how about that, Ross Levitan? Okay. Sticking with the Buds, Jack Campbell. The
0: oldest players in the league. They got like, though it was Thornton. Thor, where's Thornton on that list? Was like uh, he's like number two. he's like first
1: out of all active players. He's got to be. He's got Chara
0: first. might be older than Chara, him. Chara, true. He, he might have Big him seat. by a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
1: I, I was just perplexed by Timmy Stootsla's first career NHL goal. I mean, the hand-eye, the one-hop bounce. It was just incredible. He's going to be a stud with the Sens. But Jack Campbell postgame said, I just wanted to shake his hand. <laughs> and that was coming from Justin Cuthbert. A lot of beat reporters did tweet out the, the little soundbite. But I think that just kind of speaks to the character of Jack Campbell. I mean, beloved as soon as he was acquired by the Leafs. And it's just pretty prototypical of Campbell to praise the opposition. And it was a fantastic goal. I don't think Campbell had a chance.
0: <laughs> he's such a nice guy, eh?
1: Yeah. You great see, guy. There,
0: there is a GIF or GIF. I, I Like, I don't know how the hell to pronounce that. I always say GIF, but I know it's GIF. I, well, like, it's graphic, right? So wouldn't it technically be GIF. GIF? Yeah, I know. But for some reason, I always pronounce it like it's a J. It's a G. Yes. Know, it. Yeah. It gets weird, and then people call me out on it. Anyways, What's I'm the, aware what that I for? do it.
1: Graphic? I
0: don't know. It's yeah, a moving graphic. picture. <laughs> Like, they got him all over the walls in Harry Potter. Yeah, Anyways. I know that Harry Potter was the, was the pioneer towards yeah, gifts. They, they, were, they were the original GIF. Hermione yeah. Granger, the original GIF maker. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, there was one of Jack Campbell on Friday night, and he was kind of looking up at the scoreboard when Freddie was in net, and he'd given up five, and he just looked so sad. Like, he just, like, wanted to go help his friend, but, like, there was nothing he could do. And I was just like, man, this guy is just, like, it's too much to watch. Like his pedigree in the locker room and the way that he cares about all his teammates and just everything that he's talking about and says, I was just like, man, like just a, just the ultimate, ultimate nice guy. He is.
1: And 17 saves to go with his first win of the season. So Again, he, he wasn't outstanding. Not going to see a lot of the saves on the highlight reels. Uh, initially, I believe Stepan had a chance point blank, and it looked deceiving at first, but he was in position and it hit his right shoulder. So that could have been the, the equalizer. But again, I'd say there were three or four chances late where Ottawa could have put it away, and the Leafs are just hanging on, hanging on.
0: What do you make of the Leafs' penalty kill in this series? I know that Ottawa isn't exactly, you know, the high powered power play, but they certainly have five good players that they can roll out there. And in these two games, Ottawa converted only one power play opportunity out of 10. So one for 10, that's 10%. Like that's an excellent, excellent percentage. And I don't want to make too much of it for the reason that I just stated. It's not as if Ottawa is expected to have, you know, one of the best units in the league. Likely they'll probably be in, I would expect the bottom 10, if not the bottom five in the league in power play efficiency, But that's still a step in the right direction for a power play for a penalty kill for Toronto that has looked suspect at times in past seasons. Certainly. But I mean it's hard to glean
1: from from the Senators PP unit. As you said, there's no stud really on the on the top PP unit. And I I don't I don't really want to delve too much into it. I think the true test is going to come from formidable teams in the North Division.
0: Well, certainly there's going to be teams that We'll test them a little bit more. Obviously, that like we know, we know that we know the studs that Vancouver has. We know that the top unit for Edmonton is going to be loaded up. Calgary can roll out a big unit. Like, there's going to be more difficult tests, certainly. But I do think that's a positive takeaway, particularly for Manny Malholtra, who is making some changes on the special teams. And I think that any positive that you can take away is going to be a good thing. And, you know, holding another team to one for 10. In a series, is something that the coaching staff I think it can be pretty happy about moving into the contest Monday against Winnipeg.
1: Speaking of the Oilers, they got dummied by the Habs last night, five one.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> it was a good old fashioned ass kicking, eh? And Petrie, wow, I think it was Petrie and Tatar both had a pair of goals in that one. So, like David Dash one. Yeah, well, this this is the thing with Edmonton, right? And we've talked about it in the off season is that they're very top-heavy. And if McDavid yep. isn't going, and if Saddle isn't going, you're probably going to lose.
1: It's a subpar forward group then, really.
0: You had them ranked very low on the, I forward, did. on the forward group ranking. I forget where you had them. You had them around like five or six, though. And I had it, them it, down
1: there for that reason. Because when they're not going, when they're not gelling, it's, it's a stale offense, really.
0: All right, let's go to around the league. And staying in the Canadian division, Jakob Mar- Markstrom shutting out his former team, the Vancouver Canucks 3-0, this one's going to sting for Vancouver. You know, getting shut out by your former netminder, because you know Markstrom like was feeling excellent about that one. The Flames have to feel great about it that they signed the right big ticket free agents. And Vancouver's got to be sitting there like, man, there's nothing like a kick in the nads like getting shut out by your former netminder that you let walk in free agency.
1: Especially the GM, too. I mean, I'm sure he just wants to find a hole to hide in after that because that's just the ultimate punch to the gut. You trade away your, your stud goaltender, comes back and shuts you out early on in the season. It's a kick to the derriere.
0: Well, it was a free agent signing. A they, they free agent signing. Yeah, they essentially just let him walk. Which is like, I don't know, it's, it, it seems... Either way, it's still a little between. like, well,
1: you don't want me, so... Yeah, yeah, I'm that's
0: wrong. certainly, that was certainly the case. They didn't make yeah. a strong effort to resign him. him. No. I'm really surprised that Edmonton didn't make a stronger push, to be honest, to sign this player. Because, like, they look like they're going to be in big trouble from the Crueltetic perspective, which is another thing that we highlighted entering this season. I mean, Koskinen is, doesn't seem like he's going to be a solid number one, and I believe Mike Smith... Now is expected to miss significant time. Not that he was really any better. So Edmonton's going to might have to try to address something in free agents or a non-free agency before the trade deadline to bring someone in to get some assistance there because things are not looking good for the Oilers netminder position. Speaking of netminders, do you see Semyon Varlamov got injured in warm-up? Brutal. And Barry Trotz was not happy about it. Uh, that is like <laughs> it was, the, was absolutely the ultimate blow. Him. Like, how stupid is that? Like, I, and granted, all right, I've done it before and I got reamed out by my coach. And it was like the same thing. It was just like a high school game, but you know, you're out there, you're warming up, you're just sort of firing the puck around. You know, I ripped a little snapshot and like it was before a big game and it nailed my goal, our goalie, like right in the mask. Like, I just wired one it's and not, hit him. Know. Yeah. Just right above the eyebrow. And he was kind of like, like a little shaken by it, had to like take a skate. So he was giving his head a shake. And I just looked over at the bench and my coach looked like he was ready to kill me.
1: First minute, Ken, minus one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's brutal, man. Like you go, you, like you're supposed to be warming up your goalie, just making them feel good. You know, just, you know, getting them a Red feel. Basket the box, shots. And, then you just, and then you just wire one right off the mask before a big, before a big contest. And, like, the the goalie's pissed off. The coach is pissed off. Your teammates are pissed off. It's just, like, it's a complete disaster. And, like, that was just in a high school game. I can't imagine Kyle Clutterbuck just coming in and absolutely wiring one right under the goaltender's mask. It hits him in, like, the throat, kind of, like, the shoulder area. And then he's not able to start. They have to throw the rookie Sorokin in there. And then he just gets absolutely shelled. (laughs) It's awful for the rookie's confidence. It's awful for the team. They get the L. And Barry Trotz was like, man. Like that's on the team. Well, basically saying that's on Clutterbuck. Like, what the hell are you doing out there? I don't know. It's just a weird story that you don't really see too often. And gotta be careful when you're warming up that netminder. Do you see the comeback in Las Vegas last night?
1: I didn't, but I caught the highlights and okay.
0: Yo, unbelievable. So first off seven seconds the, in yeah. So basically they were down one nothing. Uh Vegas Ducks, they pull the goalie. And like less than a minute left, they're cycling the puck, and Bill Carlson sort of—I don't know how he even got the puck. There was a bunch of Anaheim defenders in front of the net, but quick little feed to him. He ties it up in the last minute of the game with the goalie pulled, so they go into overtime. And then it's Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty off the opening faceoff, sort of chip the puck up, go down on the two-on-one, and score in just seven seconds into overtime. So they basically get two goals. In, the, in about 60 seconds of time in the last minutes of regulation and then the first seven seconds of overtime and sneak away with the W against Anaheim. And our boys at the, uh, was it, the Quack First podcast, they're going to be feeling the L after that one. That's a, that one's got a sting.
1: And very happy for Marc-Andre Fleury because he was buried last year in the playoffs. Leonard getting more of the nods to start between the pipes. And I think Vegas probably boasts one of the best goalie tandems in the league. And they have the luxury of of swapping back and forth Leonard and Flurry. So they're pretty lucky to have two uh, stable two starters. Tend- two two starters, really, but two, two stable pennies. Pennies. Two staple yeah. pennies that can I'm, win you games.
0: I don't think that there's any question that they have the best tandem in the league with those two guys. And I think that if you ask George McPhee, he would be trying to ship Marc Andre Flurry out. So he could use I f- I forget how much money he's making, something to the tune of six point five million, I believe, or seven million dollars. He would be trying to ship him out for the last couple of years of that deal so that he could use it to improve his forward group and bring in something a little bit cheaper after extending Robin and Leonard after his postseason run last year. But, like with the flat cap, they weren't able to find a trade partner. So they're locked in. It's not, it's like a, an exponential amount of money. I think they, like I said, Flurry was around 6.57 million. Leonard, I believe, his extension was around 5 million. So you have about 12 million bucks tied up at the netminder position, but you have the security. You can play either of those guys and feel comfortable that they're going to be able to get it done, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason as well. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, and this one stings them a little bit, Sean Couturier expected to miss significant time. He's out with a rib injury. Now, the early reports are saying at least two weeks, but this guy is a dominant player, like one of the most influential players in the league on um, both ends of the ice. He's been noted, his ability at the face-off circle, his, his defensive prowess, and over the past several seasons, he's really become a threat on the offensive end of the ice as well. Certainly a huge loss for the Flyers, missing this player for hopefully shorter than the amount of time, but, or a short amount of time, but right now, that looks looking like at least two weeks without Couturier
1: And his teammate, Jacob Voracek, getting oh, the God. Twitter world buzzing after post-game <laughs> comments. Oh, that, man. And it was similar to the playoffs last year when Steve Simmons... Asked a question to Matthews and Matthews oh. basically just rubbed him off and said like, no, not a good time. Or I don't want to answer your question, blah, blah, blah. And Vorchuk yeah, called him a weasel.
0: I don't appreciate that question from you at this point in time, Steve. Steve, I think is what I thought was an yes. unethical article. I think is what Austin Matthews said to Steve Simmons after he reported that he had COVID-19. So that was a, a storyline for the offseason for sure. But Voracek. My goodness, if you didn't see the clip, just search it on Twitter or anywhere, because this guy absolutely teed off on this poor reporter. I forgot what the guy's name was. I think his name was Mike. Uh, I forgot the like the last name, but I guess there's a history there. And obviously, whenever this stuff happens, the, the Twitter community is more than happy to dig up the graves of whoever reporter gets right through the coals. And everybody was going back and finding articles they'd written. And you know, all the tweets that he put out and he had a number of jokes, which I thought were pretty evident were jokes. I guess like the real bone of contention came from an article that he wrote suggesting that Voracek was laughing while Olaine Vignon was speaking and thus painting the picture that he was being disrespectful to the coach. So that's where really where he thinks that the animosity stemmed from. Anyways, it made for a good, good laugh, the sound bites and Voracek is one of the guys in the league that doesn't hold any punches. And that's what we love on these sorts of shows because it gives us something to talk about. And certainly it's much better content than the old got to get pucks in deep to the corner. They outworked us, you know, and all that baloney that we usually get in the postgame pressers.
1: It's interesting, too, because I think a lot of media folk don't realize how much NHLers or professional athletes open up an article or watch a highlight reel show, right? Like, there's some people that are actually into it. So it's very easy for them to come across an article, one little word, one little statement, and the next night, post-game, they might not want to talk to you. So it's it's very... It's very... um, What's the word I'm thinking of? It's unpredictable, because you don't know if they're actually tuning in. Like, I'm sure Simmons was like, there's no way Matthews is reading my Toronto Sun article. He's getting (laughs) ready
0: for game three, right? So... Some players certainly I think do worry about it and other players don't. And Jeff O'Neill on our station on TSN ten fifty has talked about this in the past. It's like if you have a great game, you love to go home and fire on, you know, the TSN or fire on SportsNet and hear everything that they're saying about you. But if you have a crap game, you better like stay away. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you gotta stay away from the newspapers, you gotta stay away from you know the highlight shows because you'll get raped. And Vorchek, like I think it's like a lot of people assume that these athletes should just, you know, be able to let roll off their shoulders and they shouldn't listen to the commentary. But this is somebody critiquing your career. Like these are and like, especially in the media, like this is the, they're shaping public opinion about you. So it's obviously if you're, you know, if you're paying attention to it and somebody's saying something that they don't like, it's like, that's going to hurt your feelings. These people aren't, these guys aren't robots. They're human beings. Nobody likes to read an article saying that you suck at your job. <laughs> can you imagine if like if somebody just published an article and said oh man this guy had a terrible shift he was hungover. he was like sluggish not really interested in doing his job like really has to improve or like they're probably going to fire him like that's that's hard to read man and it stings is- yeah can, like, deal with on a daily basis
1: and These- you have to you have to sit if up on the, the podium you're going
0: to get fired like yeah it's, it's a lot
1: it is a lot No, especially sitting up on the podium by yourself with, well, on a typical season, there'd be like 20 to 25 physical reporters in the room. But you kind of have to just deal with uh, 20 to 25 reporters via Zoom, which is probably just making them crazy if you're a player. But
0: all right. Up and coming. The Leafs and hosting the Jets Monday, hosting the Oil on Wednesday. What do you expect from these two matchups for the for the Leafs?
1: I think it's going to play in the favor of the Jets, man. They haven't played since Thursday. They've had a couple days to rest. Leafs are pretty much on a tight turnaround. So I'd imagine Winnipeg is going to come out firing. And obviously they got a Vesna caliber or the reigning Vesna winner in Connor Hellobuck. So I'd imagine the Leafs are going to be on their heels a lot, considering the lack of recovery they've had. And Winnipeg's going to be gelling.
0: Well, certainly going to be a tight turnaround for the Leafs. It'll be their third game in, what, four days? So yeah. there's going to be a tired group against a Winnipeg group that you said will have to be a little bit more well-rested. Uh but This is a forward group that can skate with Toronto's forward group. Very talented up front with Connor Heliobuck and net. Like It's obvious what he's capable of. So it'll be a difficult matchup for Toronto. And then you look at Wednesday, the Oilers coming off a big loss to the Montreal Canadiens. I'm assuming they probably have a game likely against Ottawa, I would assume, in the middle, or maybe another one against Montreal. I'm, I haven't looked at their schedule. Probably one more game in between, though, and then you get Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl coming into town, and certainly the expectation for the or you know what those guys are capable of, so won't necessarily be able to put forth the defensive efforts that they had against Ottawa this weekend.
1: Right, and Wednesday night against the Oilers this week, that'll be the first of four games between the two teams in... 14 days. So they're going to be seeing a lot of each other and that matchup is definitely going to intensify. And
0: that's what you can expect when <laughs> it's like, it's just this all that everybody's just playing within their own division. It's like these rivalries are just going to get more and more heated as the season goes along. Normally these two teams would only play each other twice. Now, whether they are playing each other eight or nine times? You, you mentioned how many times over the next two weeks stretch, this is going to be a defining stretch for Toronto and for Edmonton for that matter. Because you're going to have these series where you're going to be playing each other, like you said, four times in a short period of time. And basically, they're all four-point games. Like, I don't want to do the old cliche, but when you're playing only in your own division, it makes every single win and loss that much more significant.
1: Absolutely. I mean, these back-to-backs, the Leafs won't have for a while, but that's why they're so critical. You could have easily been auto at the top of the North for a a short amount of time, but... It's it's going to be tight battles and tight turnarounds. So,
0: I think they were. I, the was top really top. I, think the I was really <laughs> hard on the Leafs. I was really hard
1: on the Leafs on this podcast. I will say, but I'm trying to be objective to the best of my ability here, guys.
0: Yeah, well, it's like I'm I'm in on the Friday night game. I don't mean, think they played that well, but on Saturday I thought they played well. And this is going to be a pair of difficult contests this week. Uh, I'd say probably hit the over against Winnipeg. I think there's probably a pretty safe for the it. Gamblers out there, I don't know. It's like what's pr- they've been putting them pretty high still. It's like six point five, I think probably against the Jets, but I would still feel like confident going in the over in that one. The same thing with the Oilers. I mean, Koskinen, I feel like, is going to give up five. If Easily. If that's their number one option in net. And so that's not good for me because he's my fantasy goalie due to some awful general management by myself. But yeah, we'll see what happens down the road. Uh, what you got going on for the rest of the day? You're just heading straight over to the station. Just we'll walking
1: two steps to my remote yeah. desk. Very nice. Putting in a little eight-hour shift
0: very nice appreciate that um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon hopefully you can catch a little bit of the NFL playoff oh going on. oh baby are you fired up are you going to be watching that in the background
1: I will be having that in the background for sure
0: alright enjoy the rest of your afternoon thanks for listening to this episode of Leaf Pod follow us on Twitter at @catscapeon, Stapon at 95 at Leafs at HockeyPod Nets and we'll catch you next time